rise from your graves, lifting dead army, and into your meditation chambers. As today on the podcast, I was joined by none other than Mr. Chris Grosso. He is not only an incredible human being, but he is the best-selling author of books such as The Indie Spiritualist, Everything Mind, and Dead Set on Living, which are more or less spiritual self-help books, but unlike most of them, they don't suck. His work and what he stands for and who he is kind of directly aligns with what I'm doing at Death Comes Lifting and what we're about, as he is a total badass punk rock and heavy metal spirit, as well as a horror junkie who happens to be deeply engrossed in the healing powers of mindfulness, meditation, and breathing. He works at uh, rehab centers and speaks at various conferences and retreats all over the world, I think. He's a, he's a pretty bad motherfucker. He's out there doing his thing. He's writing his books. Uh, he's reaching and helping tons of people, and he has an incredible journey that he goes into a little bit of detail of himself, uh, battling addiction and things like that, and it's just a... Um, It's a really enlightening podcast, and uh, for any of my listeners out there that think all this meditation and mindfulness is a bunch of woo-woo, granola, white people stuff, uh, you might be right, but you're exactly who should listen to this podcast because uh, in addition to conversing with me, Chris has a uh, lot of perspective and wisdom from a unique place that he shares that I feel like people like myself and hopefully you can relate to. Um, I do, I practice his breathing and his meditation practices and I can attest that it changed my life for the better um, a thousand percent. And believe me, I'm the first person to call bullshit on any of this. So um, you'll, I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed talking to him. I'm really grateful he took the time out of his busy best-selling author schedule to hang out with me for an hour and talk shit about Slayer and things so that was great um I wish we had more time so if you enjoyed this let me know let him know we'll wake the dead and try to get him back on um I'm sure he will he's a great guy and I you're really gonna enjoy this This is like the best I could get the lighting. I don't know. Does it look all right for you? It looks really cool. I dig the Baphomet goat and the skulls and everything. Oh, cool. It's very right. fitting for, for what we're doing right now. So nice. I totally appreciate it, man. Yeah, if I gave you a 360, that's what my my whole apartment looks like your layer. It's like Halloween every day in here. Like all my music equipment's there, like all sorts of weird horror posters and just insanity. Yeah, I'm looking around and seeing the same exact thing. So I'm glad we <laughs> Yeah. I'm glad we know. can vibe on that, man. And um you know, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad we connected. Um I'm glad yeah. you you vibed with Death Comes Lifting via social media and uh, we kind of have a similar sort of no nonsense punk rock and horror esque philosophy to health Definitely. and wellness, you know. Hundred percent, man. Yeah. And, uh, if um if you don't mind talking about it, what do you think that is? Why is there that, that connection like me and you and people like us have with like the darker side of things and also well-being? 
Yeah, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I struggle with it every day, by the way. So yeah, <laughs> I, really I, an answer. I think you and me both. Um, I think a part of it, like the dark side, okay, you know, is like Carl Jung talked about what's called um, shadow material, our unconscious. And that's the material that actually drives most human beings. Um, I think like 98% of our actions are based on all of this unconscious shit that's happened to us in our lives and we've pushed it down. And um, so we're kind of on autopilot, even though we're making decisions, we're kind of not. We're just basically acting out of old things that have happened and behavioral patterns. And um, that's why things like meditation and mindfulness and all these other practices that when I was a young, like punk, hardcore kid, I was like, fuck that, you know, like that's just stupid as hell. But luckily I found it in my mid-20s. Um, but I mentioned that because, you know, I look at, as we've discussed, man, horror is my favorite genre of movie. Um, I look at someone like Michael Myers, the original Halloween, and, you know, his nickname is The Shape. And to me, when I watch him, specifically in that film, he is kind of like the projection of this unconscious shadow self. That It's a collective unconscious. Like I said, we all carry it within us um but those who do trauma based therapies or other therapies we can connect and re-own and reintegrate that stuff so we're not acting from such a reactionary place um so that's part of i mean there's a million different ways i can go with this answer of course Um, no sure that's great man because i feel the same way yeah that's so yeah i just want to give you like a little the um i guess that kind of that sort of uh, not official but more rooted in in theory um, yeah. response but in general i think if you're like me and a lot of people i know well i know you're like me but like if your audience and your friends and my friends um i mean as young as eight years old even though i was playing soccer and hockey so i was an athlete and this is going back to uh, like the early 80s. I'm 41. So I was also at that time skateboarding. And this was well before skateboarding was popular. It wasn't like socially acceptable like it is today. And it's going to be in the Olympics, which fucking blows my mind. But, you know, this was back in the day, like when even at like eight years old when I was skateboarding, I was looked at like I was a bad kid, you know, even. So I've always had like this very diverse part of me. But as I, became a teenager I became less attracted to the athleticism and there's nothing wrong with sports at all Um, I just was being pulled more towards skateboarding I fell in love this is like the grunge movement where you had you know like Soundgarden and Nirvana and then I met a friend who introduced me to the hardcore music scene and that completely changed my life you know going to shows when I was like 14 years old when most of my friends were going to high school dances or getting high and partying. And I'm going to see all of these incredible bands, um, some of which are still around today playing stadiums at the time. We're playing, you know, venues to 20, 50 kids. That's amazing all in itself. That's another podcast in itself. I know, right? Yeah, Yeah. we we get into that. But like, so so I've always like felt this kind of like outsidership and attraction to darkness and i think that attraction to the darkness and the horror and stuff again is like it it just connects with me because it's like a representation of that which is also not common and not i don't like to use the word normal but um for lack of better word that's not normal and so it resonates with me and then when i find people like you 
because we are we're not we are a rare breed it's not like you know they're they we're out there but we're also there. yeah yeah like you go to metal shows and stuff but at the same time often you find people that don't give a shit about whether it's physical well-being or mental well-being or spiritual well-being and to me it's all like it's integral uh, i can't have one without the other myself but i'm not saying someone else can i just have to have all of them well that's great because uh, neither can i at this point in my life before right. that i could before you know when i was younger you know i was a lot like you i went to shows early and i kind of developed that sense of community amongst the misfit crowd a little bit earlier right uh, you know my answer to that uh why we like such fucked up shit is always, you know, within darkness, there is light as corny as that is. And no, you, yeah. You can't understand trying to better yourself and trying to better others without understanding the darkness too. Absolutely. And I've very much find myself aligned with that philosophy and everything. Um, so if you don't mind, maybe telling the, my listeners a little bit about you. I mean, obviously I know about your background. I've read a few yeah. of your books, but for, uh, those who don't know, maybe set the scene a little bit and we can uh, kind of talk about spirituality and mental well-being as well as physical well-being. Yeah, for sure, man. So, I mean, even just to piggyback off that, like that's yeah. such a good point. I know like I get caught up in sharing things that sound cliche and corny at times too, but it's like right. sometimes you don't have a way around that and and it, it it's right. You're right. Like, And I think that's why today and i know i'm fast forwarding i will go back um sure sure it's a, i'll tell your listeners first of all i'm 41 i turned 41 this june and it's literally nothing short of a miracle that i'm alive and i'll tell you why in a minute but it's uh interesting to me that even today the fact that i'm alive and i my whole life and my work is based on not just my own well-being but writing books and doing workshops and working with youth and residential mental health and healing programs but there is still a side of me that isn't attracted to that darkness and that ins like that insanity that I live through. And I think a part of that is because those parts, like Hunter S. Thompson has this quote, and I don't know it verbatim, but something about like, it's called the edge. Only those who have been there know like what it is. And, um, and rarely do they come back to talk about it or something like that. And I've been to that edge. I've been, I've like literally died. I've been intubated because I couldn't breathe on my own. And um, and so it's through these experiences I had of darkness, of um, despair, that really brought me to a place of where I, I wanted to get better. And um, I opened, it literally like cracked my heart shell open. Like I had all this heart armor on and, uh, you know, I was very guarded and um, and it kind of cracked it open. It was like that white flag of uh, surrender was up. So to go back, uh, just quickly, born in 1978 in Maine, moved to Connecticut when I was two years old with my family, grew up uh, in Milford, Connecticut until I was about, I don't know, to like sixth grade. So however the fuck old you are when you're in sixth grade. Yeah. But so that was the time, like I was mentioning, where I was playing sports and skateboarding and my parents have always been really cool. They've supported me and in, in whatever I've wanted to do. We grow up um, not middle class, not poor, kind of like in the middle, like low middle class, um, renting apartments and whatnot. Sure. And then in sixth grade, we moved up to this really rural town called East Haddam, Connecticut, where um, I was still playing soccer. Hockey wasn't around. So it was just soccer and skateboarding. And again, that was a time where like the grunge scene was coming out and I fell in love with that. And um, so 
when I entered high school in ninth grade, I decided to stop playing sports because I'm like, I want to spend all my time learning to play music and, and skateboarding and, and that sort of thing. And my parents were a bit disappointed because um, no ego. I, I, I excelled at soccer and hockey. Like I had tons of trophies. I was always on those like the teams of like the competition teams and whatever. Like I was, I was a good athlete. Um, and so my parents were, were bummed but they still like would support me. So for like Christmas, if I asked for like a, a bass, which I did my first instrument, you know, um, they would get it for me. And, uh, so they were cool. That's like, cool. That. yeah, I had yeah. that too, man. That's really special. You know, it is. Yeah. And like, the thing is I'm very blessed that my parents are still together to this day. Oh, well, wow, that's they, great. Too. Yeah. I think it was just like their 42nd anniversary. They celebrated this year. Beautiful. Um, I was just down. I visit them usually every Monday. It's like a 45 minute drive, but I go down, my brother comes over, he brings his two, uh, his two little girls, my nieces, I'm godfather to one of them. And they, they all have cool. been such a, um, big factor in why I'm here because, uh, I have put them through hell. So, you know, to, to go back to that story, um, I, I start learning to play music and my friends are more into alternative stuff. I'm at a soccer game cause my brother's two years younger. He's still playing soccer. And so I'm at a game and one of his teammates brother who goes to another school and is a couple of years older than me is at that game. And I think I was wearing, I know I was wearing a Primus shirt and he started talking to me. He's like, oh, that's a cool shirt, man. Like you ever heard of, and he started naming a bunch of like punk and hardcore bands and I had no idea who they are. And he's like, um, well, I'll take you to a show sometime. And I was like, cool. Like we just hit it off. And oh. Uh, he lived in the same town. He just went to a different school. And right um, so this is before cell phones, you know, so we exchanged phone numbers and uh, <laughs> before thing. emails. Way, yeah, like yeah. this is how far back we're going. Um, so this is like 93. And, um, and so we started our first band together. And so on weekends, like in high school, when the kids, like I said, were, were going to dances or getting high, I was either going to shows or playing shows and bands I was in. Um, and that continued, uh, I graduated high school, um, went to college, was going to college, was working, was playing and touring in bands, recording. Um, I started experimenting with drugs and alcohol around 16 quickly, like became addicted by the age of 19. There's four stages. Uh, what is it? Experimentation, regular use, abuse, and addiction. I became a full-blown addict at 19, 19 to 24, total downward spiral, but I was a functioning, what they call functioning addict, because I was still able, usually, to make it to work, make it to band practice. Uh, we would do, like, week tours in some of the bands I was in that I would barely remember leaving the state and getting back. Like, I wouldn't remember the shows. Like, wow. you know, I was that out of control. That's impressive on some level. <laughs> I, on some level. Um, yeah, on on some other levels, like... You know, one point, one of the bands I was in was we literally couldn't play at any club in Connecticut with the exception of like VFW halls and shit. Just, and we weren't even hardcore. This was one of the indie rock bands I did, but we were, all of us were so fucked up minus our drummer. Like we would just be wasted and we were playing like we were a, a hardcore band breaking things. And, right. Um, Interesting. So, yeah, man. So 24, I end up going to my first detox and that was a really good experience because even though I... Hor physically felt horrible by day three i was i started to feel some semblance of life i was i didn't realize like you know i knew i had an issue but i 
I didn't realize, you know, like how severe it was. And, and all of a sudden, like I started to actually feel life within me again. I was a walking zombie essentially other than that. And so I did that. I went to a 28 day inpatient program, two month halfway house, sober living, then got my own apartment because I got a job, got the car, girlfriend back in my life. Like, and I was sober for like 14 months, went to Rome to visit a friend. And uh, the third day I was there, which was my birthday, um, I ended up relapsing. And, um, and that became the beginning of a, a cycle for the next several years where I'd get a year clean, I'd get a few years clean, like three, four, five at one point, and then relapse, I'd always return back to drugs and alcohol. When, so yeah, go ahead. Oh, man. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I was oh, just going to ask when when you relapsed, um, yeah. was that triggered by something? Was it alcohol first, which led to drugs, or did you just go full blown back in, or how how does that work? Yeah, so for addicts and alcoholics, I just use the word addict because alcohol right. is my drug of choice. But okay. um, and hardcore drugs, I haven't touched those in like. 15 years, I would say. Um, I've had relapses with alcohol after that, but um, the relapse actually happens before you pick up. It starts with returning to old behaviors, stopping doing things you know are good for you, like exercise, or, you know, some people go to meetings, or, you know, I don't tell anyone how to approach their recovery because what works for one person doesn't work for another. But the, the relapse actually ends when you pick up, whether it's the drink or the drug, because at that point, you're, you're, in, you're back in your addiction. It makes a ton of sense. I've never heard it like that before, but that yeah, makes a ton of sense. Yeah. yeah, most people don't know that, but like that's part of what I learned in my schooling and having been doing this forever now. Um, so it's like you know something I look at or I ask people to look at that I work with the relapses, go back and look at the two weeks prior to you picking up. And then go back two weeks before that. And what was going on in your life? You know, because y- you start to re- recognize patterns. And, that, and the same pattern for me was that I would get the material stuff back and I was basing my semblance of well-being on the external, not the internal. Like I was doing 12-step fellowship meetings and I was working the 12 steps and they have you write on all the stuff. And I would write on some of it, but just skim the surface. I wasn't ready to go deep into it. So what changed for me uh, was basically I hit bottom after rock bottom, you know, like I said, and, and when I thought I'd hit bottom, then the bottom gave out. And, and at one point, um, waking up intubated in the hospital with tubes, you know, because like, I couldn't breathe on my own and um, my parents, you know, at the end of the bed. And it was just, it was horrible. Um but what one of the biggest, two of the biggest things that helped me to shift that was one, um, meditation. There's a million different kinds of meditation. So for your audience, please don't write it off. Like there's so many different kinds. It's not that hippie, airy, fairy shit that you see. It can be, but like, you know, I do it. I've been doing it for 15, 20 years now. And um, that has exceptionally like changed my life as well as trauma-based therapy, things like EMDR therapy or ART therapy. They look at the traumas of your life and help you, which are it's related to the shadow material stuff I mentioned. So it helps you kind of dig that up and it's not fun, but it's what you need to do if you really want to really heal. Like it, it you pull it up, you reown it, you reintegrate it in a way that it's no longer 
you're no longer acting on it, going back to that like 98% unconscious because it's not unconscious anymore. Um, so those were the two biggest things for me. And, and it was due to the fact that I hit such dark places that that's what brought me to my, to my well-being path. Well, we're glad you're here. Thank glad, you, glad I am you, too. I just survived all that. And um, what brought you to um, that meditation practice and the spirituality? Did you wake up in that hospital bed and were like, oh, fuck, I guess I should meditate? Or no. how, how did that work? That, no, that, that's that, ex- that experience was actually, no, no, my bad. Um, that was after I'd been meditating for years. So here's the thing, like, it's not a magic cure. Nothing. Nothing is, um, right? No. So like, you can be doing everything in the world and and even if you know, for your listeners, if you're not, if you don't have a problem with drugs or alcohol, I have tons of friends that drink and, and can recreationally do drugs and God bless them. Like, you know, I, I'm not going to write someone out of my life just because they're not sober. Like I can't expect the world to change just because I can't do that. Like we would have no friends in our line of uh, our social groups if we <laughs> yes, did that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So rock on. It just, it doesn't work for me. Um, Truth. But um, yeah. So I forgot where I was going with that. You, oh, what turned me on to in the first place? No, it yeah. was not that hospital bed. It was actually, so when I was 24 and after I got out of that program during my first year of sobriety, I got myself into a drug and alcohol rehabilitation counselor program. And the woman who ran the program um, also was, uh, whatever they're called, she helped me like pick my courses for the semesters. Um, And she became like a very motherly figure to me. Um, We really connected at a deep level. And I remember prior to that, I was very atheist. I didn't know the difference between spirituality and religion. Um, I hated the idea of God. I used to have a shirt that said, Jesus hates me, so fuck him on it. Like, I was really like an angry, like. I was the same. Yeah. 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 Very like. Yeah. yeah, It's a crutch, blah, blah, blah. And um, so I go into her office for the first time to, to look at classes for next semester. And I'm looking at her wall, and she has like a. A uh, picture of a Buddha and Mother Mary and Krishna and Ganesh and um, I, I can't remember, you know, Christ, all, all these different spiritual figures. And I'm very confused. I, I look at them and, and I go, what's going on here? And she's like, what do you mean? I go, well, I thought you just pick one and, and you have to go with that. And she kind of chuckled, not like, you know, in a malicious way. She's right. like, no, no, no. She's like, so you have that understanding, you know, like a lot of people do. A lot she of people broke, do. Yeah. So she broke down the difference of spirituality and religion to me. And that opened my mind up to it. And then she, next next course or class I had two days later, she brought me this book, which um, at the time, I wasn't a reader at all. Um, it was, it's called The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, one of like the most famous books in the spiritual world now because he was on Oprah. But at that time, it was a very underground book. And I mentioned that because had it been had it like been as popular as it is now, I was still at the place in my life where I would have never read it. You know, For it's sure. like, yeah. you know, no, For fuck sure. that. It's so mainstream. But right. I trusted her and I was like, all it's right. Important. Yeah, I'll give this a shot. And so I took it home. I'm living in Middletown in an apartment, Connecticut at this point. And I'll never forget, man, opening up that book and just reading the introduction alone. Um, It was like literally that metaphor of having the rug pulled out from under you. I knew my life would never be the same. And I read that book cover to cover three times consecutively 
And I had a library that was just uh, like a few blocks over that I would skateboard to all the time. And that became my second home. And I was taking out books from all of the great wisdom traditions and the, you know, writers that were um, spiritual, but I was also reading like the, the core religious texts and, um, you know, just kind of blindly like finding my way into it and mm-hmm. going to different sanghas and, and different, um, you know, meditation groups and uh, really just trying to find out like, what is this all about? I don't know what I'm doing. I like, I have, I feel a calling towards it, but what the fuck? And um, so that was my introduction. And, um, and it just kind of like anything, like if you stick with it, you kind of find your way. And so I've been very blessed to, through that process, um, have some very wonderful teachers in my life um, who have really um, opened up and my path and taught me so much and um, uh, afforded me the opportunity without even honestly trying to have now three books majorly published and um, and speak all over the country at festivals and conferences and and work with the youth and uh, residential settings and and also write for magazines like Revolver and Go Cover. Like, well, that started. I've been interviewing bands forever. Like, my first interview ever was when I was in junior high with Brad Wilk from Rage Against the Machine for a little zine I was doing. Right and uh, yeah, it was cool. I remember like. I didn't even have my license. So that friend I mentioned, um, who was older and has license, we drove out to New York City because he gave me uh, four passes. And so we went up to the Roseland Ballroom and saw them and Jesus Lizard was opening for them. And I'm a huge Jesus Lizard fan to this day. That would have been incredible. Yeah, it was great, man, because it was in this Roseland Ballroom before it was on the first record, the self-titled, before they were huge. um, But anyway, so yeah, then I I started a website. Yeah. so I started a website in 2010 and, and the reason I did that was because I'm exploring, like going back to your first question, like I'm meeting people like us in some of these meditation places I'm going to that have a love for either horror or darker music or whatever. Um, so I'm like, cool, there, there must be a magazine or a website or something. And so this is back in 2010 and I couldn't find anything. So I'm like, fuck it. I'll do it. DIY. I'll do it myself. And I created a website called the Indie Spiritualist with the intention of just interviewing a diverse group of people, musicians, actors, spiritual teachers, like a a ground where people could come like a hub and just check out all this shit. And so, you know, I was scoring interviews with like Chino from Deftones and Mike V, the skateboarder and Danny Trejo, the actor, and George Romero, you know, uh, from Night of the, All of the Living Dead. Uh, Pittsburgh represent, rest in that's peace. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I have a beautiful, uh, I'm looking at right now, Dawn of the Dead print that I, I got to interview him and in, it was 2010 or 2011 uh, in his hotel room. So it was me and him and um, I was just sitting there with, you know, this legend and yeah. I have some pictures with him. And I joke though, the one thing I do remember is it did smell like old man in there, you know, like <laughs> I'm sure uh, it did. Yeah. But um, he was so rad. Uh, so it. anyways, yeah. So I just did that webpage and it, it spiraled into like uh, me writing for other webpages. And then I got um, a New York times bestselling author, read some of the stuff I was submitting to websites um, about my experience. And I was not looking like to be known as a, a writer or a anything like I was just writing it in the hopes that maybe it'll help other people 
avoid some of the pitfalls I've gone down. And uh, she read some of it and was like, I love what you're doing. I would love to introduce you to my literary agent. And I was like, the fuck? Like writing a book was never on my radar. To this day, I've never like, I never finished that program as in. I don't have an associate's degree. I've never taken a writing course. Like, so I have a hard time calling myself a writer, but. Do it though. You earned it. Yeah, fuck it. So, yeah, so I have three books out. And like I said, so I get to write for uh, like Revolver Magazine now. Like I, I get to cover shows and write for them. And um, I'm talking with Fangoria about writing uh, with them. And um, Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So it's like, Dude, but it's great. it's all due to the fact that like the stuff I mentioned, taking the time to learn to um, heal you know, and um, mm-hmm. running became a big part of that. Weightlifting became a big part of that, which I know you're very passionate about. So it wasn't just the spiritual aspect. It was very much the physical because I weighed 300 pounds um, when I went into my first uh, rehab or detox. And um, what sucks right now is that I've been having some very serious back issues. I think I've, we've talked about that. And right, yeah. so um, I have not been able to run or seriously like do any weightlifting in over three months. And even though I'm eating healthy, I have a very poor metabolism. So I've gained like 25 pounds and, um, and it's, it's hard because like, that's a big part of, like I said, my well-being. I need that running release. I need that weightlifting release. It's a very healthy thing for me. But, you know, my fiance made a good point because I did feel like a bit of a fraud. Here I am writing, telling people like, be your unique self, fuck what people think. And then I'm like looking at pictures um, from recent conferences I've spoke at and I'm cringing because I'm, I'm bigger than I've been in a long time. Like I wear size large. I know I mentioned that to you. I was down to a medium at one point, but I was so unhappy. Like I was barely eating. It was unhealthy. Um, but I got to a point where I was healthy at like two to 10 um, for my size and my structure. And um, But yeah, so now I had to, I went from a large to an extra large right now. And um and you know you can get back. That's all. And I do. It, it's just it's yeah. it's a matter of patience. And it is. and and like my fiance said, this is a great opportunity for you to, you know, get comfortable in your skin. And and she was right. And that's when I realized, shit, man, I do feel like kind of a fraud because I'm telling people one thing, yet I'm struggling with it on the other and yeah. feeling self conscious about my weight. So. No, I feel that way sometimes too, man. But uh, I always say what I tell people is I also need to hear it. Like I'm yeah. telling all of you this for me because I struggle with all this too. Yeah. And, uh, well, your story is totally inspiring to, uh, I'm sure a bunch of people like us, but me personally is because like, it sounds like you were just doing the spiritual healing side of what I'm doing with death comes lifting is in more of a physical fitness sense. Yeah. But, um, me personally, and I haven't shared this on the podcast or anything like super in public forum before, but I really started getting heavily into spirituality and meditation about six months ago. And like the last three months, just taking it more seriously. It's a, I feel like it's a progression. And uh, that's when uh, I obviously, I reached out to you and asked for some pointers or some advice along the way. And you were cool enough to do this. So it's kind of where that came from, man. But um, it's uh, helped me tremendously. And that's, uh, Great. I was just going to say, I'm, I'm glad you said that because, you know, for anyone listening, like, um, I know a lot of people that love horror, love metal and, and are, have that, that kind of a skew view of spirituality is like incense and, you know, ohm and, and again, that can be part of it. 
But spirituality is what we make of it. Essentially, it's reconnecting with our inner selves on a deeper level. And fuck what anyone says. Like, you know, if, if your practice is, looks one way or whatever, you know, I've gotten shit because I speak at conferences, which blows my mind. And again, this is not an ego thing, but with what you would call like A-list New York Times bestselling spiritual teachers, you find them in any bookstore in the world. And I am speaking next to them in front of thousands of people. And it's like, the fuck? Like, cause I don't change. Like the last conference I did, it was only like 800 people, but still a big conference. And I'm rocking like a Misfits shirt one day, a Death Row record shirt the next. And I'm That's up right. there As speaking. Yeah, right. You know, and before that, I was out in California at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is a incredible, incredible group of people founded by the astronaut Edgar Mitchell. He was the 14th astronaut to land on the moon. So here I am doing a workshop with all of these like huge, like highly respected science um, professionals, people from NASA, Deepak Chopra was there, Irvin Laszlo, like these names Whoa. might not mean anything like to some of your listeners, but in that realm, it was like, you know, huge. And then there's me, you know, so I'm sharing that because no, I it, feel that I feel that paralleled a lot in my life. Yeah, 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 man. Fuck, fuck what anyone thinks. Like, it's more about going inside and like the meditation and finding what works for you and and connecting and and like I said, I do a lot of work with youth. So trying to meet them where they're at and what what are you passionate about and how can we turn that in a way that it brings you deeper inside yourself. So whether it's music or art or photography, whatever it is, like there are ways to do that in which you are more mindful and more in tune with your body as you're doing it. So there's so many different ways to approach spirituality. There's, there's no one right path. Right. And uh, obviously I'm new to it, so I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I'd love to hear <laughs> what you have to think on my theory right here. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, looking back into my teens and early twenties when I was pretty much only into weightlifting, running and listening to punk rock and heavy metal music, you know, I was very introverted in that practice. Yes. And I feel like a lot of people similar to us are, and like I had my headphones on at the gym. I didn't want to fuck with you. You know, yeah. I did not want to have a conversation about, you know, you could be the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. I'd be super nice to you outside of the gym, but like right here, this is like my time. And I, you know, I was thinking that that has been my form of meditation before I was ready to call it meditation or spirituality. And mm -hmm. I was just searching within myself there. And yeah. right now I'm just taking the steps and hopefully helping other people take the step to actually be at peace with meditation and spirituality and finding what's within you. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So well said because one, I'm the same at the gym. When I go, headphones are in, I have my cutoff like shirt on. I'm covered in tattoos, like, and, and if, you know, you catch me, I'm, I'm very introverted as well, which is weird that I've fallen into this line of work. Right. And when I get start, you know, when I talk about shit I'm passionate about, you know, I don't sound introverted, but when I'm not like doing that stuff, I'm often just like at home, like working or reading or writing music and, and whatever. But, um, you know, the interesting thing for me was that you, you're definitely right. Like that is very spiritual. My first two books, the majority of them were written while I was out running. So I was at a point where I was running like eight to 12 miles about five times a week. Pardon me. Um, and it was like after I'd hit that four to five mile mark, my mind was just completely clear, completely clear. And right. 
all of a sudden, like I wasn't thinking of anything, but it was, it was almost like a weird download and I don't want to get like woo woo or anything like that, but it's like, Oh, here's what you're going to write about in this chapter. And I would get home and I'd be sweating and I'd immediately just like sweat dripping on my computer, open up the word doc and just start writing, 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 writing. And then when I felt like I was done, I'd go take a shower. Later on, a friend would say like, well, why didn't you? you can just get a voice recorder, you know, and I'm like, nah, it's not the same, man. Yeah, like uh, you're right. Sweaty but, and gritty. Yeah, exactly. Passion. Yes, we get it. Um, but yeah, so like uh, running for me is an incredibly um, meditative practice as is exercise. I wrote in my second book about uh, an experience while I was out running, listening to at the gates, you know, this incredible mm-hmm. Swedish metal band. And it was one of like complete what they call non-duality, which means like, I had lost any sense of difference between me and my surroundings. Like it was just like a complete oneness. Like it was so beautiful. It was an autumn day. Um, I was aware of the music and I had like this, I, there was an awareness there, but it was like, it wasn't like the, the ego body. Chris was like there anymore. It was just like this, movement of energy and again i know that sounds weird but literally scientifically speaking everything is made of energy literally every single thing so you know i had that experience while running listening at the gates another one that your listeners might appreciate is um i was covering a slayer concert so um i have a lot of good music ones but so i'm up front you know i have a photo pass and i'm shooting slayer and I'm doing this uh, mantra. And mantra, for those who aren't familiar, is just, it's a phrase that you repeat over and over. It helps center your mind. It helps kind of quiet the sporadic, you know, we're just constantly thinking all the time. And um, and I still do, you know, I'm not saying like I'm present all the time. Like sure. I'm, I'm constantly lost in thought. But I try to do mantra because it helps like center me and and we get caught up in like anxiety because we're thinking about the future or often depression because of the past, but we're in the present moment. Those things don't exist. What exists is just this present moment. So mantra is one of many ways. Mindful breathing is another, um, but to bring us here and now so that we are just here and now. And even though, yes, something might be wrong in the external in this moment right now, everything is okay. Like I'm okay. Um, but to go back to that Slayer experience, um, so I'm photographing Slayer. It was the last tour when Hanneman was still on guitar. Lombardo was on bass. It was like their the, the lineup. Yeah, man. It was awesome, man. And they were playing with Motorhead. Great concert. Tom could still headbang. Yes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. Um, I'm there covering it, and they have like the big – Kerry King had his Marshall stack set up like an upside-down cross, and there's right. flames everything. And, you know, they're playing all these like, incredible songs. And – while I'm taking pictures, I'm using this mantra that one of my teachers, his name is Ram Das, and he wrote the book uh, that's called Be Here Now. It's a spiritual, like, iconic book here, actually in the whole world. Yeah, um, Yeah, so he's one of my teachers, and one of his big med- uh, mantras is, I am loving awareness, which, okay, could sound pretty damn corny. I get it, especially to, to a tough metal person, like weightlifter, whatever, yeah. but you know, I've learned to soften a lot on the inside over the years and, it's and still easier, like, huh? what's that? It's a lot easier to do that. It, huh? Yes. Yeah. And meditation helps. So anyway, yeah. so I'm there, I'm covering Slayer, I'm loving it. And at one point I'm doing this mantra while I'm doing it, like not out loud, just in my mind repeatedly, I am loving awareness. I am loving awareness, shooting Slayer, <laughs> loving the music. Yeah. I am loving awareness. And well, what Ram Das says is 
the more you do mantra, like you begin doing it, but then the mantra does you. So it becomes like this thing where you're not, you know, making yourself do it. It's like, it's just going. It's like when you're learning to drive, you know, you're paying attention really hard. And then all of a sudden, like you're very comfortable with driving and now you drive and it's like you drive an hour and you forget the whole ride. You're lost in thought. You're just on automatic pilot. Mm-hmm. But so there I am in the present moment. I am loving awareness. And Ram Das says, when you really anchor into this meditation, anything that enters your awareness becomes loving awareness. And I always heard that and I'm like, oh, that's cool. I've, I love the mantra. I've used it as help, but I've never experienced that. And all of a sudden, and I, I don't remember what song it was during their set. I just remember taking a moment because it was similar to that experience I shared about running with uh, while listening to At The Gates, where it was another like non-dual experience. Like cr- the, the form of Chris was there, obviously, but like my awareness was no longer rooted as this separate being, but rather like it was just like this interconnected flow of energy. And it's not like I was, I was totally sober. I wasn't on acid or shrooms and nothing wrong with those, not shitting on them. But like, it, you know, it was... I, I looked around and I looked behind me and there's thousands of people going crazy and there was no boundary between me and them. It was just literally a complete movement of like this loving energy. Um, That's crazy. I don't know. It, it's one of those things. It's so hard to put into words. Um, like I can tell you all day long what a peach tastes like, but until you taste it, you won't really understand. Truth. But But I share that because again, man, like I'm at a Slayer concert and I'm doing mantra and I'm having this beautiful experience um, that, you know, is something I wrote about in one of my books. And, uh, and I share that story often because, you know, I want to make the, the point in case that spirituality is, you know, it's highly unique. Ram Dass says like uh, one of his quotes, again, not verbatim, but it's a, a highly individual process. It's not true that it should look like the same thing for everyone. So, you know, I practice what I call like the pathless path. I read from different mystic uh, traditions, whether it's Vedanta and Hinduism, or it could be Zen and Buddhism or mystic Christianity. Um, But I don't call myself anything. And I also read like fucking David Wong and Stephen King and um, Bukowski and Thompson. And, you know, that shit to me is spiritual too, like in a different way. So, and yeah, I would argue that people at that Slayer show, whether they realize it or not, were spiritual and, and joining sure. in this ritual where you're, you know, you're shaking your fist at the air, you're screaming yeah. along to the words that these four dudes with instruments are just on stage yes. and you're just have gathered there to witness and run around. Yeah, man. That's spirituality and that's meditation in its own right, whether you call yes. it that or not. Yeah, I think anytime something becomes greater than just you, and that's a perfect example. When you're at a concert surrounded by people unified in your love of the music, regardless of you have that internal experience that I had, that is a spiritual thing. It's something larger than you. And that to me is what spirituality is. It's it's when you're getting beyond just your core self and recognizing like there's more to what's going on than just Chris. You know, there's a lot more going on and, you know, like we, we would need like five to 10 podcasts to like really go into depth, to, uh, into all of this. I'm, that's why I'm talking a little fast because no, I'm trying great. to I appreciate it. give your listeners as much as I can in the time we have. 
Absolutely, sir. So I guess we should we should get to this. What would you, you know, for someone like me, you know, I'm a I'm a little bit more advanced than the average, you know, yogi meditation person because I've been in the fitness world for so long. So it's right. always kind of been in the background. I just never really have taken it seriously. It was yeah. kind of like I did yoga to balance out my weightlifting, but right. after yoga, I was always like, oh, I should do this more, and that right. went on for about two years, and I never really did it more sure. until recently. And then meditation kind of falls into place especially with what you eat. I do much, I'm not a vegan by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm much more of a natural plant-based sort of organic kind of diet. And that feeds into it too, I believe anyway. Yeah, sure. Um, not that you can't be a carnivore and meditate. That's totally cool. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so basically what I, what is, what I'm getting at is what is your advice for somebody maybe a little less experienced than me? And, and if they want to get in touch with that side and they're, you know, skeptical or, you know, this little yogi, not trying to sell me shit. And I don't want to come off as the guy like, Oh, I know somebody really punk rock and his name's Jesus. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. And thing. great question. Because like I said, that's what turned me off to it so much. Um, but I was also grateful to like going back to the, my early introduction to punk and hardcore. I was like 13 and that alone taught me to question everything, including myself, you know, like, I'm not just questioning the man, I'm questioning Chris, like, you know, I, often I look at these paradigms, these sets of beliefs that I've held, and I'm like, do they still hold true? Are they still serving me? And oftentimes they are, but sometimes they're, they're not. And I've just been holding on to them because I haven't thought more deeply about it. Um, so I'm grateful to that punk rock thing for giving me the willingness to be open-minded towards things when, and so when I hit the spirituality path, like I did have an open mind. Also, I was not raised religious and I know that that can put a very bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and they write the whole spirituality and religion thing off completely. I can't blame them based on many of the stories I've heard, but so what do you, yeah, like where do you start? What do you do? Um, great question. Uh, First thing, like I said, is that it's, it's a, I believe it's a very individual process. You know, spirituality is about becoming more intimate with yourself, like going in and finding out more about yourself. There's often a metaphor of like peeling away uh, layers of an onion and things like meditation help with that. Also things like working at the gym, uh, working out at the gym can help. I, I didn't, uh, what I, or what I found was, weightlifting and running for me and meditation, it was like cross training because there were times where I'm like, oh, I can't do that extra mile while I'm out running or I can't do this last set. But I did because like, you know, meditation, it brought me a place of mindfulness to where I could really intensely focus and vice versa, where I'd be on the cushion and I'd be like, oh man, I can't sit 10 or 15 more minutes. Like, but I know that I'd ran that extra mile, you know, and I, yeah, so I can do it. So it was, it was like a nice cross training. Absolutely. So, so what I would say to somebody is same thing. I'd say to somebody who starts working out, you know, you start slow, you don't like dive, like all, you don't go all in. It's not like you'll go in and start curling. If you've never curled, like start curling 40 or 50 pounds, like right off the rip, like, right. and also don't expect to see noticeable changes within a day or a week. It, it might happen quick, but they'll plateau I, just like physical changes, right? Exactly. And, and yeah. that happens too. And that's why like 
I draw from so many different things to keep it fresh and unique. And just like with weightlifting, you can't do the same exercises because it'll stop your muscle growth. So you need, you know, your alternate uh, styles of curls and your alternate chest workouts. And, you know, um, it's the same with spirituality. So, you know, I think the most basic way to go about it, and there's a number of ways, is either one, you can simply start by taking just five minutes a day and meditating, um, which simply can consist of just doing your best to focus on your breath as you breathe in and out. You can either put your awareness in the sensation of your stomach as it rises on your in-breath and then uh, the sensation of it uh, falling on the out-breath. Um, and you can just do that for five minutes. I tend to do it with my eyes closed because I like to cut off external distraction. You can do it with your eyes open. They recommend if you're going to keep them open only about a third of the way and looking out about a foot or so in front of you, you want to do it in a quiet place, obviously, where you're not going to be interrupted. That's one way. Um, there is walking meditation. If people don't like being sedentary, sedentary, um, you can walk and focus on your footsteps, the, the feeling of like your heel touching the ground and your foot. And, you know, it's, um, you can do that in your apartment. You can do it outside. Um, if you do it at like a, a it's a more of a Buddhist practice, but if you do it in a community, you walk very, very, very slow, like intentionally slow. Yeah. Um, there's mindfulness, which is in the same ballpark as meditation, but just being more mindful of what you're doing. So like, for example, if you're washing your hands, try to be there fully with the sensation of the water hitting your hands. If you have a scented soap, what does it smell like? What does it feel like? Like instead of washing your hands and thinking about the 10 things you have to do over the next hour, try for that. Like, you know, that's just one example, like try to be there with the hand washing or getting in your car after you shut the door, before you start your car, just take like three conscious breaths. They don't even have to be deep. Just try not to think about anything except focus on your breath. If you have to make a call or send an email, like, and we send tons of emails, so I'm not saying do this every time, but like make it a habit to like take, do the same thing. Like take one or two, three conscious breaths and then make that call. Like there's so many ways to ease yourself into it. And that's what I would recommend is ease your way into it, but also find like there are teachers or our books because if we're just trying to navigate it on our own, it's like someone at the gym who just starts going and has no idea. And, and we see those people at the gym. I was that person when I started, like I didn't, you know, I didn't know there were certain days and certain ways you should work muscles and pre-workout routines, post-workout routines. Like you learn as you go, but you just stick with it and you be gentle with yourself. And so that's a, that's, you can even just put on a piece of your favorite music. Like, I don't know, like whatever it is um, and put your headphones in and try to just listen to the music and hear it like you've never heard it before. And if you find yourself getting lost in thought, don't judge yourself. It's fine. We're human. We think just note to yourself thinking and then come back to the music and listen to it. You know, again, if you can't eyes closed, just hear it. Like see if you can hear different parts you've never heard before. Um, look at something as if you've never seen it before. Usually I would recommend like 
something that doesn't have writing on it. But like, so for example, a coaster, right? Like I have this coaster right here. Right. You could take something as simple as a coaster and we already have our preconceived notions about what coasters are. They keep, you know, stains from getting on things, but put all that out of your memory or your mind and try to look at this as if like you're an alien being from another world and you've never seen it before. And just look at it with like fresh eyes, like you're almost like a child, like really look at it as if you've never seen it before. You can do it with a blade of grass. You can do it with anything. Like I said, typically without words, because words bring more like association, but there's a number of things. Um, Hopefully at least one of those will resonate with your listeners. But I think so, man. Those are great tips. And I've done a number of those myself and could attest to a lot of that being true, especially the music. You know, if you really sit down with the intent, you'll hear songs you've heard all your life and you'll find that one thing that's different. And you can do that in your life, man. You can check, you can, that can parallel so many different things, man. So that's all so helpful, dude. And I I really thank you for that, man. That's that's great. Yeah. I've done the same, like songs I've listened to for 20 years and then I'll sit down and listen to it in a meditative way. And it's like, holy shit. Like I never noticed that little lick right there or, you know, whatever it is. And uh, I'm not saying that's the case with all music, but sometimes no, yeah, for sure. it's just, yeah, you just, you hear it in a different light. Right. And it's amazing how this, I'm um, really learning how the spiritual health is connected to the mental health and collected to connected to the physical health. And you really yeah. can't have one without the other. So there's continuous amounts of parallels we can draw. We can be here for three hours drawing parallels. And, so easily. Yeah. And it's just really just being mindful not to, you know, beat yeah. that word to death, but just being mindful that there are parallels and you can literally be mindful with anything Yeah, is step one. I feel like yeah. it's a good place to start, man. I agree. Cause it's so simple, you know, and, right. and you don't even have to use the word spiritual. Like I've been yeah. trying to like find alternate words. Cause even that has such stigma around it, but you know, mindful that, you know, again, a lot of stigma people think of like the, all the shit that you, you know, it's traditionally related to but you can be mindful of anything and that is quote unquote spiritual you're in the present moment you're you're engaged with something more deeply than just you and your thoughts and thoughts about you or worries about you know someone else that's related strictly to you Mm -hmm. it's about like it's about like loosening that identity of yourself and there's so many different ways and means and methods to do that and um, you know, there's little tricks. Like if you're stuck in traffic, here's one last one I'll give you like, um, it, yeah. So say you're stuck in traffic or you're in a long line at the grocery store or the bank, you know, like, and you're like, fuck man, this sucks. I hate it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Of course. But you have a choice. You can either sit there and like, think about how much it sucks. And I'm not saying it doesn't suck because it does. Or you can take that time to either put a song on and, and practice like this mindful, uh, mindfulness we're talking about, or there is a great simple practice that I use all the time. It's excellent for anxiety, uh, cravings, unpleasant thoughts, just grounding yourself in your body. It's called the four, four, six breath. And just like it sounds, you, you inhale through your nose for a count of four and not a quick four, like a one, 1000 to 1000. And you know, you're filling your belly up with air. You hold it for a count of four and then you exhale for a count of six through your mouth, kind of like with pursed lips, like a, gotcha. and you're exhaling as much air. And, and the beauty of why that is so effective is that one, on the mental level, it's regrounding you back into your body. So it's taking you out of your discursive thoughts. And two, 
it's scientifically proven and and you can google this anytime you're exhaling longer than you inhale you're naturally calming your central nervous system so not only are you calming like the unpleasant thoughts but your body is calming and when i teach this at workshops like i'll hear people start yawning cuz like their body is just calming so you know that's something you can do anytime not just in traffic and shit but that's a very easy useful practice to to have that's great pl the world would be a better place if more people just took a deep breath every now and again yeah that's huge hey man not to say i still don't get road rage either like i literally got out of my car like two weeks ago and was ready to fuck a motherfucker (laughs) up and i am not proud of that because like i was on some old nwa high school chris shit and then i got in my car and i'm like dude you're you're so much better than that like what does violence solve i understand like if you're yeah i have to defend yourself you have to defend yourself sure. but like I, I was really disappointed but again it's like i'm human like thanks for sharing that we all struggle man yeah exactly so that's the thing like the way i write the way i talk like i can teach you the stuff that's helped me and some of it might help you some of it might not but i am always very transparent that like I still fuck up all the time, you know, like it's helped, it's changed my life. It's literally saved my life. It's made me a much better person um, and a more productive member of, of society. But I am still like, I'm a human being, man. So the, the one thing I will per, or caution people about is if you do decide to look deeper into this, anytime you find a teacher that says they have the answer, run the fucking other way, man, because that is bullshit. Anytime someone says they have it all figured out, no. And that's how cults start. And yep. uh, as much as I love occult material, sure. there's a big difference between a cult and a cult. It's an important so, distinction. Yes, yes. Glad you made that. Yeah, well. man. So, but yeah, man, do be you, do you like, you don't have right. to change anything literally to become more deeply embedded in yourself to become quote unquote spiritual. You don't have to change anything except adding some practices or, or, you know, finding what works for you and doing some things in your life that in the long run, I guarantee every single person listening, if you really work with it and give it a fair shot, uh, you'll be grateful that you did. Absolutely, man. Thank you. And, uh, I feel like I could, we could have five more podcasts on. This I know, thing. man. So I know. I, I re- we'll have to do this again soon, man. That This is great. But, uh, before we wrap this up, I've got two yeah. fun questions for you. I love fun questions. Yeah. So it's October 1st. So it's a good way to celebrate the spooky Perfect. season. Yeah. I, I totally appreciate this. So I'll have to ask what's your favorite scary movie versus what actually scares you? Ah, okay. Because very little scares me these days. Yeah. I've I've become very desensitized. Same. So fair, favorite horror movie, it just classic. Uh, the Halloween. Michael Myers, the original. Um, Can't go wrong. Yeah, and it was rad because for many years I had recurring nightmares about Michael Myers, but they were cool because it was like I had my own Michael Myers like movie, and um, and then like once I started doing the trauma healing. Uh, they went away and I haven't had one in, in years, but so cool. Michael Myers, what, what actually scares me, um, literally is, uh, and, and not to be cliche, but the state of the world, um, that's what scares me. The global warming, not so much for myself, but for my nieces and for the, the youth of today, no pun intended to the punk rock band um shout out to ray he's a friend of mine love him great dude and that's another example ray like we've taught at conferences he's a yoga teacher he still sings you know for youth of today and tours and but he's like a he's in india right now leading a pilgrimage um a spiritual pilgrimage so one of the most 
yeah, one of the most punk rock icons out there. But anyways, so that's what scares me is, and I don't you know, mean to be political, but oh, we man. have someone in, in charge right now that is a fucking moron and um, just it, the people that support him scare me. And, um, you know, in the beginning it was different because it's like, all right, let, we can have this conversation and I would like to understand where you're coming from better. But here we are with, you know, so much shit later, the fact that anyone is still like supporting this man that frightens me. And there are a lot of those people. So global warming and that, those are the two big fears I have. Very legitimate. And I think that's why we're working on this mindfulness practice right now is to yeah. make this world a better place if yeah. everyone starts with the seeds. So yeah, exactly. Do- you start within and you bring it without 100%. We're going to continue on that. And uh, final question, if you have one, what's your favorite Black Sabbath record? Oh man, uh, the original. Um, self-titled yeah yeah, self-titled and paranoid the first two are like uh the first four to me are all amazing um but just the way i'll never forget you know when the the first song on black sabbath comes on like with the bells and like i'm a huge doom stoner metal fan i love it and the whole genre and that song to me is like the first true like doom song yeah they riff genre with that Oh yeah, completely. You look at bands like High on Fire and Neurosis and I Hate God and all these incredible bands that I love mm-hmm. um, that are sludgy and, and, and tuned down. And uh, it's all thanks to Tony Iommi and, and Ozzy and, and Black Sabbath. They are the original Doom band. So I mean, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, but great band. And, um, you know, after the fourth record, all bands have their ups and downs. And, sure. um, you know, I'm kind of really bummed. I haven't heard it, but I think Ozzy was just on a somebody's song, somebody who's popular now. And Post Malone. Okay. I've heard that name. I don't know any of his music, but. He's just a rapper. Okay. A rapper, yeah. Yeah. So that, I, I heard that. I was like, ah, oh. because like people are like, who's this Ozzy guy? Like, you know, thanks Post Malone. He owes Post Malone so so much, you know, for uh, no, making that's him ridiculous, right? Ah, but Dang. that's just me being old and curmudgeon Sure, but that's important too. As yeah. long as we can get some Black Sabbath out to the masses, if that okay, helps, man. I'm in. Post Malone, I'm in. If that helps, <laughs> if that helps the kids pick up Master Reality one day, that's right. Where will be better? Absolutely, man. Yeah, and I'm sorry we didn't get to talk more about music and horror. Like next um, time, man. Yeah, because I, uh, I I know that you're getting more into the spiritual thing and uh, I wanted and to I, hit, hit this. So I really appreciated this. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I, I wanted to kind of give your listeners like uh, the long short, which was long, long was like, dude, just be fucking you and, and you right. can still be a, a quote unquote spiritual person and better your life. Like in so many ways. Um, so that's what I was getting at. But all that said, man, we'll have to do this again so we could nerd the fuck out over like horror yeah. and, and, Music. Yeah, we'll bring it back for a fun one next time. We'll do this one a little more serious, but that's great. It's what we yeah. need to, man. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you're a beautiful dude, man. I totally appreciate it. Nice Thank you, man. And like, Absolutely. thanks for, uh, you know, sending me the, the cool shit. I'll, I'll send you a picture later. I got a new guitar in case and I got a whole bunch of your stickers on there and you've already seen my fridge. So I'm repping you all, all over the place, man. So same, man. Um, Likewise, I, anything I, I can do. Awesome, man. So thanks for what you're doing. I'm psyched you're doing this podcast. Um, I hope that this does help people that, you know, have listened, um, at least open up to the idea that, hey, man, maybe it's not like that fucking corny shit I thought it was because that's what I thought. And I was wrong. I thought too. Um, yeah, absolutely, so, man. Yeah.
That's it, brother. I appreciate right. you once more. Thanks, Chris. I hope you have a killer rest of your day, brother. And we'll do this soon. Yeah, man. Be well. And thanks, everyone, for checking this out. Cheers, brother. <laughs>